Okay. Fred, are we good? Sound okay? <clears throat> My beard likes to get in the way of the microphone, so that's an interesting thing. Okay. Well, good morning. Um, if some of you don't know who I am, I'm John. <laughs> um, I lead worship here. And, um, and it is a joy to be here, and every, every week um, I get to lead you guys from worship, but today you get to actually hear me speak. Um, and this is going to be quite different. <clears throat> First off, though, a couple of things. Um, one is, um, let's, uh, Aaron will be back this afternoon, thank Jesus, because I don't want to do this two weeks in a row. Um, he has a big job, and he takes care of you guys every week, and um, it's a lot of work that he puts in to do that, and I am now understanding that as well, um, and um, I do love that he lets me get up here and he trusts me to do this, and um, uh, it is super cool. Second of all, I am actually here. I did not get arrested on 4th of July because you all don't like fireworks out here, and, and um and uh, back in Albuquerque, where I come from, I like to blow things up. And um, I, uh, I actually came out of my house to play games and watch fireworks, which is it, it, it's really weird to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, my fireworks are actually coming, though. I promise you that. They're in my storage in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, they will be here. So if I'm missing, uh, you might know where to find me. Uh, second of all... Um, this, this is just this is just great, and I just want to make this known because I, I want you all in my office trying to steal everything out of my office. I want to say to Steve and Sue, thank you for getting me a real coffee pot and a real coffee maker, and it's in my office if you want real coffee and you don't want to drink Keurig coffee. Um, and um, it is back there hiding, but you're welcome to find some if you like it. Um, I couldn't drink dirty water anymore, and they were awesome enough to drop me one off, and so now I got real coffee. So, thank you. Uh, so this morning, we're going to continue in James. Um, this is actually new for me, because normally when I speak, I usually speak on something that I am uh, dealing with or I'm doing. So Aaron said, hey, do you want to continue this on? So I said, hey, let's give it a try, and um, then I realized what part of James I was speaking on, and then I realized I might have gotten myself into some kind of trouble. Um, and so we're going to try to get through this this morning. Um, I also have, um, just in case you're wondering, um, notes on here and notes on here. The problem with it is, is I'm colorblind, and it printed in green, and I can't see it. So that's why we're going to have two. Yeah, there you go. So if I start saying something weird, I'm sorry. Um, that's why I got two of them. Um, but we're going to start off in James, and we're going to start off by reading a portion of James here. Um, and uh, we're going to be in James 1, 19 through 27 today, and it's going to take us a little bit. We're going to read some scriptures, and then we're going to stop, and we're going to examine a part of it and do stuff. The, uh, the title of this, um, the title of um, the, if you open the Bible in the ESV is where I'm going to be taking it from. I may take it from a couple of different places as well. It's called Hearing and Doing the Word. And... Um, one of the things that we're going to do is, um, I, we're just going to read it. Um, and, but here's the thing. When I started reading this this, this week, um, I, I got two, maybe four words into this, and I said, I had to stop. And I said, this is, this is, um, this is interesting, and I never saw this before. 
Um, so, we're going to start off with this. Um, if you look at verse 19, it says, know this. That's about as far as I got before I started figuring out what God was going to have us uh, here today. Um, and it says, know this. What he's trying to do is he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to say, um, I want you to listen. He's like, know this. Imagine, and it doesn't sound right, but imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, know this. You're probably going to pay attention because it sounds like it's kind of important. Here's what happens next, though. He follows it up by this. He says, um, know this, my beloved. And um, this is what really stopped me dead in my tracks here. Um, and, I, and, I, and I didn't get very much farther than this. It says, my beloved. And why this is important is, is because he starts from love. If you know anything about James, James is one of those books that is going to make you feel terrible. He's going to go through some stuff that, that is going to make you feel like, oh man, this is no good. But here's what he does. He starts out from love. And he says, my beloved. You know, examples of my beloved, my wife. My wife is here, by the way, but isn't that great? Um, yeah, exactly. She leaves today, but she's here. Um, uh, and I'm missing my kids, so um, they'll be back sometime soon as well. But my wife is my beloved. My mom, my dad, you guys are my beloved. You guys are the people that I love, that I love to spend my life out. So he starts off with uh, love, you know, and um, <clears throat> what this does is he says, my beloved, I cannot love you any more or any less. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you did, you're my beloved. And keep that in your head all day because we're going to go back to that many, many times. This establishes your identity before he tells you what to do or tells you it by telling you who you are. It is important to know that when we obey the word of God, we aren't working for the love of God. We're working from the love of God. And uh, the important thing is that he always begins with love. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about is imagine this with me. Imagine Eli, my son, and uh, imagine if I told him, hey, I need you to go... Uh, I need you to go clean the rooms of the house, if I had one, and, uh, uh, or go clean the yard, go do this, and I might love you. I might love you. Um, you have to earn your love for me. That, that would be crazy if I said that to him. He'd look at me like I was crazy, because he knows that I just love him. This is, not, <laughs> this is not what God's saying here. He's saying, I love you. I'm not going to take my love away. You're not going to lose my love. I just love you. That's so simple, but it's so big. So, because I love you and you're working for my love, I need you to listen and trust what I'm going to say. That is, this is good for you. My beloved, know this. And this is what he starts off with. He starts off with two gifts. The love of God and the word of God. He talks about the word of God being implanted, uh, the word implanted in us, and, uh, and which is able to save our souls. You'll see that later on in the verse. Is there anybody in here that gardens? Gardens at all? No gardeners? This is, this is terrible. We're going to have to get you guys growing stuff. Uh, so a while, maybe, I don't even know how many years now, I got canned from one of my jobs, and for some strange reason, I took up gardening. I tore our whole backyard up, <coughs> and I made a garden. Like, you came out our backyard, it was like, bam, it was there. It was, like, everywhere. Uh, my neighbor was complaining because the corn was growing over her fence, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was bad. Um, but we had a lot of good food. But if you know anything about planting 
into the ground, I learned something very, very interesting that you just can't go to the ground and dig a hole and put the stuff in there. It ain't going to work. You have to actually plant it and you have to actually dig the earth up and you have to move it and you have to put nutrition stuff, all that good junk in it. You have to, which is weird, you have to put poop on it, which is, you know, interesting. Um, and you have to, and that kind of stuff makes it grow, right? Um, this is what God is saying to us. He wants to, he, he basically is telling us, he's, he's like a gardener. Um, and he is, uh, God is, is like a gardener. He plants the word of God inside us so out of the word, in us grows life and fruit that proceeds out of a relationship with him. He wants to take the perfect, eternal, life-giving word, listen to this, and plant, right, plant it right in the middle of your soul and your life and your identity, your existence. So you grow and produce from his love and his word. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into some of the, the fun part of this. Um, and so... He's going he, he's gonna to start off by saying a few things in this verse, and we're going to break it up for you so, so that we, you see this. Um, there are five ways that we can fight and oppose these verses that we're about to read. Some may call it your personality, or I'm just that kind of person. It's just, you know, who I am. Uh, these are personalities or people that are not willing to receive the Word of God, and that means they don't grow as fast as you can or produce very much fruit. Now, before I get into these, I want you to know this. Um, I, I, uh, I, I had a hard time with this. I even told Linda, I said, you know, and I told uh, my wife, and I was like, man, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I want you to know before I say any of this, I'm in this with you guys. This is who I am as well. And when I started reading through the James, I, I realized there's, there's, there's portions of this that, that are my life too. So I'm speaking to myself this morning. Number one. It's the chatterbox. <laughs> we all know the chatterbox person, right? We know who that one is, that, that one that can't stop talking. The one that has to always fill the air with words. We can't, we can't get a word in because that person always has to have their input heard. Um, they're that one that always has to get their last word in. This is what we would call the chatterbox. I need to tell you about this. I need to tell you about this. I need to tell you about this. Hold on, I need to tell you about this. It's one of those people that you just interrupt you, you can't deal with it. Are you a chatterbox? I know I'm not. This is one of the ones that I don't deal with because if you know me, I don't talk very much. But if you are and you don't know it, just ask the person next to you. I'm sure they'll tell you that you may be a chatterbox or may not be a chatterbox. Don't get in trouble, though. Um, so what, is, what does it actually say in these verses um, about this? Um, and here's what it says, and this is very simple. It says, be slow to speak. Um, there's a saying that the rabbis used to use, and it said this, and this is, this is brilliant. It says, the rabbis used to say, we have two ears, one mouth, so we could listen twice as much as we speak. So that's a chatterbox. The next one is the bad listener. Are you a bad listener? I'll say it again, just in case you weren't listening. Are you the bad listener? A bad listener is a person that is too busy. Their mind is frazzled, it's too crazy. The other person, <clears throat> you are the person that um, hears it, but just doesn't like it. It might be true, but you just don't like it. What does he say about the bad listener? 
It says we need to be quick to hear. Some of you um, have been told you don't listen, and, you, and you're like, what? Because <laughs> you're not listening. Some of you get your information, you get the truth, but you just don't, you just don't like it. It might even be God's word, and you just don't listen to it. You don't ponder it, you don't consider it, you don't receive it, and you don't plan it. Going back to that garden, the word being doers, the word inside of us. What do you need? What you need is more information. You need more receptivity. This is the one that I deal with. Number three, the person with the short fuse. I can speak very well about this one, and I, I, um, I have come from a place that that um, your temper is very on your sleeve. You can, you can fire off at somebody in a second. It could be the most simple thing and turns into something huge. But this is the person uh, that, I most, that, you know, that I most identify with. Uh, this is the person that is most prone to anger. Um, if, you're, if you're like me, when I get mad, I always go to the fact that, well, God got angry like we do. But it, it wasn't like that with God. And, and, and in Exodus, we won't read it, but it says, it says, I'll read it to you, but I'll read just a portion of you. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It doesn't say that he doesn't get angry, because later on in the section, he says this. He says, I do not, I don't leave the guilty unpunished. So he's not happy. But here's what he's saying. He's saying is, I do get angry, but I have a wick that is not short and that is slow burning. Some of us don't have that wick. Some of us have a little fuse that just blows up. You know, God is not teetering, hanging over the line of anger, waiting to get punished, or wait, waiting to get pushed there. Uh, but some of us, are some of us are just right there at that line you push us and we're gonna we're gonna blow up you know you're angry you're frustrated you're steaming you're like that person that just pulled the pin on the grenade and you're just you're everybody's freaking out they, they leave you they, they're just like oh, i'm just gonna move away from this guy because we never know when he's gonna drop that grenade this is that person that we talk about being with a short fuse but what does he say in these verses um about that he says, be slow to anger. The next one that we're going to talk about is called the compromiser. And I'm definitely going through these fast because these are kind of long and I want to get to the bulk of this. The compromiser is the, I can't stand this sin, but I can stand that sin. That's nasty, I hate it. That's nasty, but I kind of like it. They are inconsistent. We might call them hypocritical. These are the people that will not submit their whole life, but they will basically, what they do is they segment their life for God. This, part of the, <clears throat> this is um, a part of a life where people tend to live on both sides. You know, and um, those are the people that look at you and go, well, I'm just not perfect. I'm, you know, I once read that it says, do not judge anyone. So what does it say about this, about the compromiser? It says, therefore put all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive it with meekness. 
What he's saying here is he's saying don't segment your life, surrender your life, don't clean up one part of your life and let the sin run rampant in the other part of it. The compromiser is willing to live with this segmented life in hypocrisy. Number five, the last one that we're going to get to is called the know-it-all. And we all know the know-it-all. These are the people that make my short fuse break are the know-it-alls. The know-it-all is a person that you can't teach anything to because they already know everything. As soon as you begin to teach them, they interrupt you and say, no, no, I know it already. They like to be the authority. They like to get the last word in. They like to make sure they know how smart they are and how little your brain is and how unnecessary your opinion or your word has to do with it. They don't receive instruction. They actually reject instruction. What does he say about that? Uh, What does he say? It says, receive with meekness. You all know those people. Those people that know everything that you cannot get away from. They, they, they They will eat you alive. They will spit you out. And there's no way of getting around it. These are, these, we look at these five, and, and I could point out a couple in my own life that I deal with. But which one are you? Which one do you identify? You don't have to be just one. You could probably be many, um, just like I am. Um, so I would ask, which one of these is actually taking up fighting in your life, which is hindering you from planning deep within the truth? He is not going to move you from, uh, now, now we're going to move from know the word um, <clears throat> to the, uh, doing the word. And so I have a story for you. And, and by all means, the story is made up just for fun. But I thought I'd talk about music because that's my life and that's what I always do. But imagine this, okay? I'm a musician. I'm a kid. Maybe this big. Um, when I was young, I would pick up my guitar, and this is true. I'd pick up a guitar, and I would run around the house, and I didn't have any idea what I was doing with that guitar for years. I would just play it, and probably thing wasn't even in tune. It was my dad's guitar. Um, but one day, my dad came up to me and said, you know what? What we should do is we should get some lessons. We should um, get you into um, learning that thing, actually, instead of just dragging it around and learning it. And I said, yeah, man, let's do that. And this is this partly is true because I did start taking lessons uh, early on, classical lessons. And um, but here's here's what happened. I went to take my lesson. I got the books. I learned everything. And here's this is this is what I this is what I envisioned as I was writing the story out. I went and I I got everything I could find to play the guitar. I printed out music. I looked up scales, modes. I started a guitar club at my school. I even started a small group at my church. I would look up every musician that I could find, the best guitar players. I would go out and buy the most expensive pedals and guitar. I would study that. I would try to find theology in the Bible about the guitar. A couple weeks would go by, and my dad comes up to me and he says, uh, your teacher said that you haven't learned anything. What's going on? And I say, well, 
I haven't picked up my guitar. I've been too busy studying my guitar. Ask me anything you want about the guitar, and I'll tell you what I can, I can tell you the best guitar players. I could tell you what scale this is, but I can't tell you how to play it. This is what the, this is what it's talking about as far as being doers of the word. And um, I, if, if I would have gone and picked up my guitar and actually learned and tried to do lessons for it, I would have probably learned how to play the guitar. But I was too busy trying to learn about it. Here's the thing, knowledge is great. And um, we're going to hit some, we're going to hit three points here. And I want you to listen closely because I know what you guys are all thinking. This guy doesn't care about studying. And um, nothing could be farther than the truth. I love to study. I love books. I have books everywhere in my office. In fact, I probably have a disease because I buy too many books. Uh, so I'm not saying that reading and studying is a bad thing. What I'm saying, though, is that studying alone is not good. Number one, we can turn Christianity into an academic exercise and not a lifestyle. And what I mean by this is that we, we can learn all we want and we can, do, we can be the biggest nerd on the planet and know everything about the Bible and never get anywhere with it. Um, and we could turn, not, not be doers of the word and not use that to our lives. Um, and that can be bad. Number two, we can turn into something we study rather than what we become. Number three, we can use the Bible for information and not transformation. One of the things that, that I wrote down here was that I could know my, and this isn't true, just so you know, just in case she's probably going to look at me like this is none of my favorite stuff. But I can look at my wife and I could look at her and say her favorite color is purple. She likes sunflowers. Her favorite food is a burger. But I'd never gotten her anything purple, never bought her sunflowers, and never take her out to get a burger. It's good that I know all these things about her, but it's bad if I never do anything about it. And that's what, time, that's what sometimes we do with the word, is we know the knowledge behind it, but we don't do anything with it. So that brings me to, to another point. Number one says God wants us to be productive with the word he has planted in us. In verse 22 it says this. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets who, who he was or who he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and preserves, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. God wants to bless you by what? By being hearers and doers of the word, not one or the other. He wants us to be both. And um, number two, don't forget who you are. In verse 23, it talks about the person that looks in the mirror and turns around and completely get, forgets who he is. And this one's big for me. Um, if you know anything about my life, and, and you will as you get to know me, um, there was a portion of my life that I just came to church and uh, 
I forgot who I was. I forgot that, remember that part where he says, my beloved? There's a part of my life where I just came and it was just church to me. It was just sitting in that seat and taking up space, partly because one of my mom told me to come and my dad didn't even have to say anything because he'd just give you that look and you just got in the car because otherwise he, he would come after you. But are you that person this morning? Are you that person that just got up because it's the thing to do on Sunday morning? Or is this a part of you that you take serious? Are you doers of the word? God is planning that deep inside of you. What are you doing with it? Do you play that game? Would you rather be somewhere else right now? It might be. Some of you will walk right out of this building and forget who God has told you you are. And you will go on living your way. And you will do church. You will know what it's, uh, and, and you'll know how to play that game every single week and show up. Here's the important part about this one. God doesn't want a part of you. He wants every single bit of you. He wants it to invade your life. Now here's the deal. We don't we're not asking you to go and and go save your whole entire work for Jesus. I I I I work in a place and you, and if you if you know anything about screen printing shirts, it's like working with a bunch of sailors. I have some of the most roughest individuals in the planet that I work with and I make t-shirts with and they're the most people that I love more than anything. Some of my best friendships have come out of been printing shirts with people. I have some of the most terrible people that you would imagine working with me at my shop every single day, and these are the people that I love to spend time with every day. And you know what? I don't act like them. I look like them, unfortunately, because that's the way we look. But they know that something's different. They, 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 they'll still say the worst things around me. And when Monica started, when Monica was getting ready to move out here and she got her job, um, God was so gracious enough and, and he put us in a place to where, like, I don't even have to work if I didn't want to. And I told her this the other day. And I told her that I need to go to work. I, would I love to just come to the church and, and work all day here and get everything done that I need to? That would be great. But I need to go to work. Why? Because every single day, there's people there that need Jesus. And they don't need me shoving it down their throat. But God planted something deep inside of me. And here's the thing. When you go up to the fruit tree, the fruit tree isn't yelling at you, I got an apple on me. I got an apple. Take it off of me and eat the apple. It just shows. You can walk up to that tree and you know it's an apple tree because it's got an apple hanging off of it. This is extremely important because... The people that I run around with, you, some people would call them shady people or you call them not the best people in the entire world, but they forgot who they were. And you know what it is? It's my opportunity to remind them how they, how they look to God and how special they are. I'll never apologize for being that guy that hangs out with the people and you know, you might not see me at your, your parties or you might not see me somewhere. It's, it's honestly because I'm, I'm probably doing something else. 
I know a lot of people, Aaron thinks I'm absolutely nuts because I like to spend time in, I call them scummy places. You know the places you walk into and your, your feet stick to the floor? Those are my favorite places. Because those are the people that really, really need Jesus. And we could sit in this building all day long and we could, we could, um, we could spit theology at each other. We could spit whatever we want at each other. And it isn't going to do us any good unless we've taken what we, we've been asked to do as doers of the word and share that with people. That is very important to me. It's extremely important to me. It's probably everything to me. Because I once was that person. And um, sometimes I'm still that person. So number three, don't be deceived by religious pride. In verse 26... What does it say about this? And I'm going to go back here because I didn't write it all the way down in here. I just wrote what it was. But let me look at the uh, actual verse here. Um, see, I got notes everywhere. So let's go to verse 26. Uh, anyone who sets himself up as, a re- uh, up as religious by talking a good game is a self-deceived. And, and by the way, I'm reading out of the, the um, message because it's, it's kind of point blank. It says, this kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and love and loveless and guard against corruption from the godless world. In the ESV, it says this. It says, it is worthless. He says that it is worthless. Pride can be a big thing. It can be a very big thing. One of the things he says in that verse is he says, to keep oneself unstained from the world. And that verse right there, kind of just, I'll be honest with you, I was like, I don't, I don't even understand how you can do that. So how do we, how do we, live unstained from the world? How do we get rid of all that? And um, if you can put up that verse in Zechariah, or in Zechariah 3, and I'll read it for you. Um, This is a vision of Joshua, uh, the high priest. It says this. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord is, uh, then the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is not... Sorry. My uh, singing and talking all today is going to kill me. Um, uh, uh, The Lord has not chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Um, It is not uh, this a a brand plucked from uh, the fire. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And this is important. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. So as we look at Zechariah, he gives us the answer to how we're supposed to live unstained from the world. And here's what he says. He says, But God, my life is stained and is broken. I've been prideful. I'm nothing. They don't know what I've done. It's too bad I can't come back. And I'm so ashamed. I can never face anyone again. 
Then this is what it says. It says, Joshua is standing in front before the angel of the Lord and Satan. He's ready to accuse him. And here's what happens. The voice of the Lord says this, Lord, rebuke you, Satan. And remember I said this is the important part. He says, the angel of the Lord tells him to take off his filthy garments. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. There's some people that walk around and they're just dirty. And they don't understand or they can't figure out how this even works. He's saying, I will take off my stuff. Take, take it off and I'm going to give you mine. Do we under, really, really understand what is going on here? God is not looking for you to come and be the perfect person. God is not looking for you to, to be that super Christian. God is saying, come to me, dirty as you are, filthy as you are, and I'm going to give you my garments. I'm going to put the white garments on you. It talks about, later on, it talks about how we're going to be clothed in white. That is frightening for me because I don't like white, and I wear mostly dark colors all the time. So I may be that one random guy running around in black, just so you know, um, up there when we get to heaven and we get new clothes. We're going to have to have a talk about that one. But what he says is he goes, he goes, I don't, I don't care how you look. I, wanna, I just want to put some new clothes on you. And I want to make you clean. And, and he did that because he, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He does not show up to accuse or condemn you. He shows up to convict and save you. So who are you? Are you one, two, three, four, five? Are you, are you, are you the chatterbox? The one that can't get you to be quiet? Are you the bad listener? Too much going on in that head. You don't want to listen. You always got to be right. You always got to have the right. You always got to say something or you got, or you're just not listening. Your ears are broken. You're that person with a short fuse that is ready to blow up on you at any time? You the compromiser? It's okay. Not a big deal. Or are you the know-it-all? A person that closes their heart off person doesn't allow the word to penetrate because you know it all, because you read it in a book. And just as a disclaimer, Google is not a very good place to find your information at if that's where you're going. If you're dying, don't go to Google, please. But are you that person? Are you that person that walks around proud because you know what you know? There's no humbleness 
It's okay, because I am. You know what he says? Come hang out with me, and I want to give you a new coat. I want you to look like me. So how do we how do we live life being unstained? It's pretty simple. We follow Jesus. We don't have to have one foot in, one foot out. We don't have to get as close as we can to the edge so that we possibly could be pushed over or or heck we just go over by ourselves. He is willing to forgive you and to cleanse you. Now I'm probably talking to the choir here today. And I'm probably talking to everybody that kind of has it together. More of importance here is this. Every day we walk around, every moment that we spend with other people is an opportunity to look at them and say, know this, my beloved. I'm tired of letting people think that all they are is the bad listener, the chatterbox, the know-it-all. I'm tired of people being hurt by those people. I'm tired of looking at people like they're not worth anything. And there's a lot in these verses. There's a lot in these verses that I, I read and I'm like, man, this is, this is great, this is great. But I keep coming back to this and I'll beat it into you until I die. And, and I, I'll tell you this every week if I have to. My beloved. He loves you. And so, this morning, more than anything, more than anything I've ever said in, the, the, said in this whole entire thing here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know this. I want you to know who you are. I want you to stand on that, and I want you to be able to look at it and go. We, this is the thing. We sing songs about it all the time. We sang a song about it this morning. It was the coolest thing ever, and I didn't plan it like that. It just happened. It said, you are my beloved, and he is mine. <laughs> what? That's exciting for me. I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to stuff like that because sometimes God just does some some cool things in worship and you're not even aware that you're actually doing it but let me go back to this song real quick on this if I can find it um, yes here it is I am my beloved's and he is mine so come into your garden and take delight in me take delight in me I just want you to know by, by any means of the truth this was not an accident I barely picked this song out and um, I, didn't, I didn't really read really realize what I was doing, but it says I finally found where I belong. And um, this morning, as, as, as we end this thing and um, um, we get to uh, sing, we're going to sing one more song because 
I just feel like singing. Um, and that's what we're going to do. But if there's anybody that walked in here this morning that is a, just doesn't know God, just doesn't have that relationship with him, here's the deal. You can be cleansed, you can be given a new coat, <laughs> and you can walk out of here and know who you are. Then there's also you guys that I would call you guys Christians that actually just forgot who they were. And when you walk out of here, two things may happen. You may forget who you are still, or you're going to walk out of here going, my mind's blown. Just, I'm telling you, just sit on that for a minute and think about it. Imagine the person next to you looking at you and say, I will die for you so that you could be saved. That's what he did. That's, that's amazing to me. That, that, that brings so much joy in my heart that, that I, I don't know why he would do something that for, like, for us or, but he did. So if you're those two people today, Here's what I want you to do. And I used to tell this to the youth kids all the time. Back home when Aaron was missing and I had to speak or sometimes just from worship and I, I found it to be the coolest thing ever for me in my life. Just ask God this question. How much do you love me? And here's what's going to happen. You can't ask God that question without him shutting up. He just wants to talk to you and talk to you and talk to you. And he wants to tell you how much he loves you. So when you look in the mirror every day, when you turn around, you won't forget who you are. You'll be walking out of that. And here's the deal. We're going to be doers of the word. James wrote this out of extreme frustration, but also complete love. He wanted them to get better. He wanted them to be better at what they do. They want, he wanted them to take what God has given them, put it in their hearts, and just explode it out. And so some of it may sound harsh, and I may have touched your button today. I may have, uh, I may have, and, and believe me, I, I tried to be as nice as I possibly could. It was worse when I first started writing it. But we're all these people. And God is looking to just put some fruit in us today. So, with that being said, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to try to get over there and grab my guitar. So, if Nishan Gordon want to come back up, that would be great. Um, but let's pray this morning. And, and what we're going to do is we're not going to do anything fancy, because that's not me. Um, we're not going to raise any hands. We're not going to do anything. But here's the deal. If you got... If, you got, if your life's just messed up, it's okay. We have a sign that says it out there, I was looking at it this morning, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay. But God wants that. God wants to, wants to be that person for you. God wants to make you okay. And, and, um, but if you haven't given your life to God, this morning's a great morning to me. And all you got to do is just let him know, hey, I want this. And... Um, and if you're, if you're that person that just forgot who you are, if you're that person that, that 
just lives that life to the grind like I do. I feel like all I do is ever work, and I feel like I don't even have time to think half the time. And I feel like sometimes I just got to provide, 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 provide. And you, you get to a point and you don't even realize that God is standing right next to you, just tapping you, going, I love you, I love you, I love you. If you're that person like me that often forgets who you are, we sing a song, No Longer Slave, that calls us his sons and daughters. So, if you did, if that's where you're at and that's where you, where you stand this morning, if you guys wouldn't mind standing up with me, um, and I'm going to grab my guitar, we're going to sing a song this morning. We're going to sing, Great Are You, Lord. And um, in this song, it, it, here's, here's what it says. This is, this is great. It says, you give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. So we're going to sing that this morning. And then we're going to pray and then we're going to go home and eat or do whatever we do. Sorry, we got, I got a million things I got to get together here. But, can I tell you something? Just, just be honest with you guys this morning. Is it? I always forget who I am. Sometimes it takes a lot to get me back to. Um, I'm going to actually switch mics on you real quick if that's okay. This is why music means so much to me because I get to sing. It's like a love song. And it helps remember who I am when I can sing. It's uh, two of them. I'm able to do it in that way. It may not be that way for a lot of you. But during while we sing,